Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we appreciate your time. Today's message is to the parents out there. If you're a parent, in particular, I'm talking about a little bit older, you know, like 9, 10, thereabouts on up. Uh, and I say that because I'm going to be talking, it's really like a parenting 101 sort of situation today. Uh, I, I want to talk about something that I see routinely in the therapy uh, arena. And in that therapy arena, there's a quote that I have used for years and years and years. It's it's actually, I don't know that it exists out there. Uh, it's something that I, I started saying many, many years ago. It says, a parent is failing you if they don't teach you to take responsibility and to live responsible. And I say that because our jobs as parents, uh, we have so many different roles that we play. But teaching our children to take responsibility and be responsible, to think ahead and to own our stuff, good or bad, is such a critical element. I'm going to talk to you about several things today. Um, This is not a get down, you're a terrible parent, like horrible, horrible, no good human being, that kind of stuff. No. Look, I, I believe having done this for a very long time, that the parents that come in front of me, they want to do well. They realize the responsibility that they have as parents and they want to take responsibility and they want to do it in a way that is responsible. So they model this quote for their kids. So I believe that you out there as a parent, if you're taking the time to listen to this, you're already wanting to be a good parent. So I'm not going to question your love for your children. I'm not going to question your desire to do well. Not one tiny bit. I'm simply here to try to help as a therapist, having seen so many things come before me and learned so many things from other parents. First, let's lighten this up a little bit. Let's tell you this. I, one thing I know for sure, there is no manual. There is no manual. I have distilled so much therapy research on parenting. There's all these different models of parenting out there. Well, you got to do this and you got to do that. You know, things, there's so many different models. And yet there is only one family that's yours. So all of these models that are out there, I mean, I'm happy for you if they work. Good luck to you. Put them to use if they're effective. At the end of the day, when I distilled all of the research, there were some common areas that kept coming up over and over, no matter which system I went to. As a result, I broke it down a little bit different saying, hey, let's make this simple, but let's also make it unique. This family that's in front of me, they, they don't necessarily fit this model perfectly or that model perfectly or the other one perfectly. So how do I create something that allows each family to uniquely represent themselves? I'm going to give you those tools today. I have a cheat sheet that I use in therapy all the time. So parents, I'm giving this to you for nothing. 
Like, if you want to make your family better, I think this will help. I've used this with hundreds and hundreds of families, and it has been very effective. And it's not because I'm giving you a system. It's because I'm giving you the tools to create your own system. It's the difference for me, at least, is I'm giving you a fishing pole, fishing line, a hook, and I'm teaching you how to use those to cast into the water and catch your own dang fish. Because if I can teach you that, then guess what? You don't need these systems that are out there. Now, don't get me wrong. There's valuable information in those systems. Having studied many of them, there are tools in them that I really do appreciate and like. Some communication tools, uh, you know, some consequences and uh, uh, rewards tools. I mean, there's stuff there that's good. So don't dismiss them, but don't necessarily rely on them to decide what your family is going to do. The overarching expectation that I have with any family. And this is this is clear as day when we start with this fundamental thing, we can move mountains. The fundamental principle is this. Love is not negotiable and everything else is. All right. I'm going to say it again. Love is not negotiable and everything else is. What that means is we never withhold love from our children. Period. We don't withhold love. What we can do is withhold reward. What we can do is add in consequence. What we can do is negotiate on everything except love. Because Everything besides love are just tools to enhance the love of a family. So we can negotiate the tools, but we can't negotiate love. Once we have that in place, which sometimes takes a little while. I mean, I have spent several sessions with a family helping parents and children see that love is not what's at stake. I'm not going to withhold love because I don't like your behavior. I'm not going to do it. I'm still going to love you. And I may change the way I present certain things to you, right? Like I may need a little bit more space from you if you're not handling yourself in a way that is kind and loving toward me. But that doesn't mean I'm saying I don't love you. My love is non-negotiable. So I have this cheat sheet. I'm going to get into this, and then I'm going to give you some some stuff uh, at, afterwards as well. The cheat sheet is really simple. When I distilled the research that was out there, now I did this probably about maybe 10 to 12 years ago, something like that. I spent about five or six months just really trying to understand what is this theory and application around family work. What I discovered is that nearly every system that's out there requires a family to do a unique thing. And that unique thing is create your own guiding principles. Your own. They cannot necessarily align with any system that's out there. They might, 
but they might not. Now, if they do, then those systems might be a little bit more effective for you. But if they don't, you're taking away the uniqueness of your family. And the research suggested that we have no more than five and really no less than three. So three to five guiding principles. Generic tends to be better because we define them as we go. I'll give you an example. Kind. In our family, we are kind. So when we see something that doesn't look like, feel like, or is not actually kind, we point at it and we say, that does not seem kind to me. And in our family, we're kind. All right. Now, I'm not telling you use this line exactly. I'm just telling you how I teach it. When we see something that is kind, we have to point at that too. The reason is we can't just point at one side of kindness and expect people to understand what it means. We have to point at both sides of it, the good and the not so good. All right. Loving, respect, following directions. When you have little kids, that's an important one usually. Uh, there's, there's things like I, I've had families say spicy. We want to be spicy in our family. Uh, you know, I've had others saying playful others, like there's so many options, but keep them somewhat generic, keep them somewhat generic because remember you define them as you go. If they're too specific, we don't want them to be super generic, but more generic is better in general because we define the, the subcategories as we go. I get this question. So I mean, do we just pick the ones that you say? Please don't. You have to represent your family uniquely. So please, a matter of fact, great opportunity for you. If you have children that are, you know, eight or older, get them involved in picking the language. They may not come up with respectful, but they may come up with a word that means something similar, like caring. And if they come up with caring, look, as a parent, don't get so hung up on your word that you can't say, all right, the caring. I could fit respect underneath that. And definitely we can define it as we go. Who defines it? The parents define it. That's the parenting role. If we're wanting our family to be caring or respectful or kind or follow directions or be loving, or spicy. If we want to, we can use pretty much any of the words in the dictionary as long as we define them according to our family principles, our family values, what we stand for. Part two is you definitely want to post them in the home for younger children, especially. As they get older, it might look a little different. The important thing is we have to refer to them. And so when they're, the children are younger, we're going to post them so that we can go to them and refer to them often. When they're older, we may be texting with our older children saying, you know, hey, make sure you're living out our values. Be kind. Or, hey, let's make sure we're living out our, our values. Make sure we're timely. Some families have that as a value and one of their guiding principles. So step two on this cheat sheet is, Make a list of rules that fit within the guiding principles. Please don't make too many rules. You make too many, none of them matter. For two reasons. One, the kids can't remember them all. And two, you can't enforce them all. So 
keep it short, maybe one or two rules that are basic for each of your guiding principles just to get you started as a family. Remember, as you go, you're going to define the guiding principles more and more, and there may be more rules to add, or maybe we take off certain rules because they're following them all the time, and we add in rules so that they don't have to remember too many at any given time. If you can't enforce all of the rules, then none of the rules are going to have value. It's just the way it is, because then we're arbitrarily enforcing. That's no good. That doesn't teach them that they're important. It teaches them how to get sneaky. That's not what we want. All right. We have to define the discipline category. Now, this is fun. If you, oh my gosh, please do this if you have older children. It is a fantastic exercise. You sit them down and you say, all right, here's the deal. I want to know. What are the like top 10 consequences you've had in the last five years? Like, what are they? You know, and then they write down, or, or, or maybe don't even start with that. You could even start more generic than that. You could start down, hey, do me the consequences you've had in the last few years. They sit down, they write them out, and they're like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, okay. But then you have them prioritize them. Which ones were the worst consequences for you? Which one did you like the least? And then they go and they number them, one through 10, one being the worst or 10 being the worst. I don't care. You establish it. Here's the deal. At the end, what you do is then you now have a list of what your child thinks are consequences. If it didn't make the list, sorry, it probably didn't affect them that much. It doesn't matter what you thought about it as a parent. Not at all. It matters what they think about it as the child, because if it doesn't seem like a consequence to them, it's not a consequence. And once we have that list, we now have a way of stepping up the consequences proportional to the offense. For example, we're not going to go to their worst consequence. Let's say for a lot of teenagers, uh, you might encounter this, taking away their phone might be the worst consequence for them. It's not by any means all teenagers. Just so you know, I have done this hundreds of times. Sometimes it's uh, something totally unrelated that you have no idea is actually a consequence until you do this exercise. So now you've got this list of consequences and you say, all right, I saw you come home five minutes late from your curfew. Five minutes, that's a deal. How big of a deal? Not the biggest deal, but it's a deal. So you go to, say, like an eight or a seven on the consequence list. Something that is that is not super painful, but that gets their attention and says, whoa, wait a second, I don't like that. Okay, we do that on purpose. Obviously, don't take away the creativity of natural consequences when they occur. I'll give you an example of natural consequences in just a second. But remember, a small offense results in a smaller consequence. Repeated small, we then scale up one or two at a time. So an eight, even though it's small, becomes a six because you've repeated it becomes a four when you've repeated it again, and so on and so on. So that the consequences, so their world gets more and more restricted if they're not learning from their mistakes. 
right? And it does it slow and methodical so that the kid has the chance to learn and grow and get better. Remember all consequences. Every consequence is designed to grow the child, not hurt the child. Grow. Growth has to be our focus or a consequence is a waste of time. It's you releasing your anger, your frustration, your annoyance, and that is an unhealthy way of going about it. I told you I would come back to this in just a second. Natural consequences. Natural consequences are great. I'll give you an example that I use most often. If a kid is misbehaving at the table, let's say I have a a teenager who gets up from the table and leaves the table and leaves their plate there and they know better, right? Because in our home, out of kindness, out of respect, out of love, out of whatever your your principles are, definitely in there somewhere is going to be, you don't just leave your stuff for somebody else to do. Sometimes maybe you've got a service, you know, our family's about service, right? Whatever it is in any of those categories, leaving your stuff for somebody else to clean up, not acceptable, especially without saying why, right? We we just don't, you know, hey, I'm not feeling good. I'm going to go. Okay, great. Leave your stuff. I'll take care of it because we're service oriented, whatever it is. But if they just walk away, that's disrespect. That's unkind. That's not caring. The natural consequence is an immediate consequence, right? They go away. We're like, huh, that's kind of odd. We check on them, make sure they're okay, right? Because love is not negotiable. But they say, oh yeah, no, I just was distracted and I left. Oh, well, in our family, we don't just do that. So what we do is this because of these principles and we point to them and we say, so... You got a natural consequence. The natural consequence is you did the behavior at the dinner table or breakfast table or whatever it is table that you were, you were gathering around. So, and you obviously can't do this in a restaurant. So you have to get more creative in those situations. But in the home, what you do is you just say, so here's the deal. I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell everybody to leave their plates on the table and you're going to come back and you're going to make up for it by doing all the dishes probably a 10, 15 minute consequence. Yes, it sucks for the kid. They're not going to want to do it. But what they learned then is if you misbehave at the dinner table, there's a dinner table consequence, natural. That's a natural consequence. You know, if you misbehave uh, with your team, the that consequence should come with your team. It shouldn't be, I'm going to consequence you at home. However, there are certain things that are going to overlap. Sometimes there's a natural consequence. You misbehave with the team. Yes, there is a consequence with the team. You get that taken care of on the field and great. However, it misrepresents our family values as well. Therefore, there could be an additional consequence at home. That sometimes is the case. But remember, as a parent, we take into account the consequence they've already served which is with the team. It primarily affected the team, but it misrepresents our family. So, you know, if the team did a, uh, you know, a a four, we're not going to go to number one on our consequence list. No, not unless it's repeated over and over and over. Right. So what we would do then is say, Hey, we're not going to, we're not going to hurt you on this one, but we're going to make it, we're going to make you feel the sting a little bit because this family value is a big deal. And you didn't represent us very well on the field. So we're going to do like a nine or an eight, just enough to get your attention, but not enough to make you feel like we're trying to shame you or harm you. Okay. 
So once you've done that exercise and you've walked your kids through all of this, the next thing you want to do is the same thing with rewards. So it's super important to get that rewards list and the consequence list and prioritize them before you go into the stage where you say, now this is the list that I'm going to use as your parent to help you grow. And remember, use that language grow because everything in the research suggests if you're punishing to punish, you're going to get a completely different result than if you're consequencing or punishing, depending on, I don't care how, what language you use, to grow. When you're doing it to grow the child, you're going to get a very different result. All right. So the process would be exactly the same. You have them write down the rewards. You have them list which ones they thought were the best. You might be surprised that some of the ones that percolate to the top are going to be the ones that are relational. If you haven't been paying attention to my podcast very much, if that surprises you, it shouldn't at this point. We are designed to be relational. So peer orientation, so their friend time, uh, their social time, which would be some for our teenagers this, these years. Remember, that's phones. Phones contribute to their social experience. Um, it's also going to be family time. So don't be surprised if they put down, you know, I, I really want a three-day camping trip with just mom or just dad or, you know, with all of us or That could be a great reward for kids, even teenage kids. They're going to pick that many times. I'm going to leave you with one more note about rewards and consequences. They have to be known. If they are not known, it's no good. Natural consequences, they become known because they fit in the environment in which the offense starts. But if they don't know the potential consequences... It's not going to go over well, so they should be known. I know I said I was going to go over one more thing, but I'm going to go over one more thing. Sorry. I just remembered something else, and that is there's two different types of rewards and consequences. There's ones that we add in and ones that we take away. For example, we can add in chores as a consequence. We can also take away a toy or a you know privilege as a consequence. So we can add in or take away. So in teenage years, that looks like, hey, I'm going to add in a consequence, which is you're losing some time over here with this thing that you want to give it to the family. I'm adding something into your time because you're not meeting our expectations. The other is take away. Look, you have been not doing what you're supposed to do around the home. Therefore, I'm taking away the car keys. And you're going to have to spend some more time at home. Add in, take away. Keep that in mind. All right. That was the last one more for that particular thing. Hopefully, that's a good starting point. Uh, Let's just keep it right there. Uh, I could get into a whole thing about... Um, you know, the different kinds of add-ins and takeaways. But look, you can do research. You can be creative on your own even. The important thing is they know. They know what they are. The other thing I wanted to hit today, and the reason why we're doing this in August, is because school is going to be starting for most families pretty soon. What I want to hit is a few different things that are critical components going into this season of the year. Number one, as a parent, What you do is more important than what you say. 
Make sure you are setting the example of staying calm, staying focused, staying diligent when it comes to getting ready for school, when it comes to social interactions. Your behaviors are going to be watched. Make sure your behaviors align with your family values. If you set them for the family, they're yours too. You need to follow them. What you say is not unimportant though, because if what you say and do line up are in my world congruent as a therapist, I'm looking for congruence or incongruence. When they line up, it is best. If you say one thing and do another, they're going to default to your do, not your say most of the time. So keep that in mind. Teach, teach, teach your children, please, starting right now, if you haven't been doing it, how to filter everything because they don't necessarily know. Look, I started as an example. This is just one example. I started with my children. I read them books as kids. There was this word in our family. We didn't really want to run around saying stupid. Now, I use that word sometimes, but in my family, I filter it because I think it's generally the right thing to do. All right. Now, that doesn't mean I'm always the best at it. It's a place where sometimes I've been a little incongruent. And it's a, that means it's an area for me to grow. When I saw that word in a book, I would replace it with silly. When my kids got to the age where they could read, they were telling me, um, dad, that doesn't say silly. I said, I know, but in our family, we filter things. Sometimes there's stuff out there. People curse. We're not going to curse. You're not going to curse in my home. People say stupid out there. We're going to use a different word. And silly is a great alternative to stupid, right? Like it could mean stupid, but it could mean that they're just kind of, you know, funny or, you know, silly. So filter, teach them to filter because the day they walk into school, they are going to be hit with all kinds of stuff, stuff you want them to get and stuff you don't want them to get. They have to be a thinker and a feeler and a doer. And if you're not teaching them to filter, it's a big miss. It's a big miss. It's one of those areas, going back to the original quote, a parent is failing you if they don't teach you to take responsibility. In other words, they have to own their own thinking, their own feeling, their own behavior, also responsible for what they see and hear. Meaning, if they go to school and they see and hear something that doesn't fit with their family values, they have to be responsible and say, hmm, am I going to live what they're doing in school or am I going to live my family values? That's a filter. And our hope is that they filter toward the family values. Truth is, many kids don't. They filter towards the school or the peer values. So keep that in mind. You teach them to filter, they will know how to filter. If you don't, they won't. That's that simple. Teach them to question things. They're going to hear things presented as fact with this confidence and bravado. And you're going to want them to ask questions. When in doubt, ask more questions. It doesn't mean I'm not going to come to the same conclusion as you. It means I haven't arrived at that conclusion yet. I may, but I may not. Ask questions. Not just of teachers, even more so of peers. 
peers say, oh, this happened over the summer. And, you know, and what do, what do you mean that happened? Well, tell me more about that. Because one, it creates good relationship. But two, it says, I don't take very many things at face value. People present things to be seen as something else, especially kids. I want to be seen as cool, as popular, as I want to be seen as hardcore. I want to be seen as a skater or a stoner. I want to be seen as goth. I want to like, so question what they're saying. Not because you doubt, although maybe because you doubt a little bit, but because it enhances the relationship and it points out incongruence and congruences. It points them out. And a kid can learn that concept. So teach them to ask questions. I'm going to summarize with this. I started with love is not negotiable. I'm going to end with love is not negotiable. If you're angry at your children and you believe that you're going to misbehave, please step back, take a break. There is no worse consequence to a kid. None. I I can tell you from years and years of working with teens, there is no worse consequence than having to wonder what mom or dad is thinking. No worse consequence. Matter of fact, that 10 minutes of holy crud, I have gotten them so mad. That 10 minutes may be the worst 10 minutes of their life. Maybe even worse than the consequence itself. Take 10 minutes. Step back and say, you know what? I am so ticked right now that I'm going to need some time. I'm going to come back to you. And take 10 minutes. Take a half an hour. Take an hour. When you come back, if you're still super angry, super fired up, guess what? Take more time. It's okay. You come back and say, hey, look, I thought I was going to be good by now. I told you 10 minutes. I told you an hour. I told you whatever. I wanted to follow through. I'm telling you right now, I'm still not ready for the conversation, but I will come around to the conversation. I need to make sure I'm in a place to handle this well because I'm still fired up. I'm still mad. I'm coming back. That's what I'm going to do. That's how you present it. Okay. Parents, I have gone over a lot of stuff. My hope is that you sit down and you listen to this or you go about your business, but you listen to this. Not only that, but this one in particular, you can implement it. You don't need somebody there to hold your hand through it. Go back, listen, take a note, send me an, uh, an email or something. And, and, and I'm happy. I, I will send out my cheat sheet so you can have it in front of you. I don't care. I, I made this thing to help people. And if sending it in an email, like I've got a, a, a PDF version of it, I could send it to you. I don't care. Look, I want you to be successful because when you're successful as a parent, we all win. We are all better. Our community is better and stronger. You are better and stronger. Your kids are better and stronger. The growth will happen. So share this with your other parent friends and do me a favor. If you could, please subscribe to my podcast, listen to some of the other ones. And I say that because I do have a growing audience, but I'm doing this to help. 
I'm doing this to help. To this day, I have still made zero sense. And I do this because I want you to be better. I have learned these things sometimes the hard way. I have learned these things as a parent, but I've also learned these things through therapy. I teach this stuff and I screw it up. I can't expect you to get it all right, but I can help you get it better. And this is one way in which I can do that. So please subscribe. Help me make this podcast into something that can be special, where people can learn and grow because of what we're doing here. Thanks for joining us and have a great day.